0: Hearts will be laid bare, so he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, "God is really among you." What then shall we say, brothers, when we come together? Everyone who has a hymn, or word of instructions, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation, all these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in tongues, two or at the most three should speak at one at a time. Someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak. The others should weigh what has been said. If a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. You can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. I'll stop here. What's the sensing as you read through this passage here? Okay. Some of you may think that, oh, Paul is saying that tongues is bad, prophecy is good. No. Paul is not against the speaking of tongues. But rather, Paul is, the against, Paul is against the wrong usage of the uninterpreted tongues in the worship context. Of getting people distracted, confused. So don't throw the baby out together with the bathwater. Don't think that speaking in tongue is terrible, is bad. No, that's not what God is, uh, Paul is saying here. Sp- speaking in tongue is also one of the spiritual gifts, gifted by the Holy Spirit for us. So what is this gift of tongue and gift of prophecy in the New Testament? How do we use it publicly? How do we use it privately? We're going to look at this from this passage. At the same time, in the midst of all this, what is God trying to say to us those of us who may have the gifts, those of us who may not have the gift. I'm not going to cover this verse by verse because of time. And we also don't face this issue of problem like we face that the Corinthians face here. But I'm going to look at it thematically, specifically zooming down on what are the characteristics of the gift of the tongues and the characteristics of the gift of prophecy and what is God trying to teach us. So if you want more in detail, verse by verse, on 14th of August, Monday night, come, we have a Bible study together. We have a Bible study, so you can uh, be able to be have more time to go into this. So, don't be afraid about these two particular gifts because of the past excesses or unfamiliarity of various biblical teachings. We need to be open so that we don't miss out on what God is trying to speak to us, and don't be too skeptical of people who are trying to use this, and be guided by it, by scriptures. If you look carefully at these two particular gifts, it seems to challenge those people, those of us who have a rational mind, able to think logically, links, uh, systematically, a logical mind. These two particular gifts seem to work outside of what normally human beings tend to function because there is a spiritual realm here. God is working in a very unique way. And it's very interesting how the Spirit works through these, particular two, these two particular gifts. So let's look at the first gift, the gift of speaking in tongue. Let me share with you my personal encounter. I came from Pahat, beautiful town in Malaysia. I attend a Presbyterian church. We don't talk about the gift of tongue, speaking in tongue. So I have no idea what is speaking in tongue. My first encounter was in a church in Singapore. I was looking for a church, taking a bus along to Then I see a particular church Then I say, this looks like a good church. I alighted and I went to the church. And then when we attended the church, and the church, I went in, I was a bit shocked because everybody was speaking in tongue and I don't know what they are talking about. And after the service, one person came to me and said, do you want to learn to speak in tongue, have the gift of tongue? I said, I don't know what you are talking about. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no. So I was afraid. Then I left the church. I said, no, no, I better look for another one. That's how I came to PPH. Uh, because my sister... Uh, no uh, particular brother David who introduced me to this church. And then later on, I got certain teaching that say that the gift of tongue has ceased. So, no need to be used, it to be avoided. So, I, I avoided it for a while. But then I look around, there were some mature Christians. They were ministering to people in tongues and they were praying in tongues and said there's something. They are not stupid. They are not uh, immature. They know the Bible, but why? They cease to. There's a disconnect here. Then the more I study the Bible, I realize that it's a benefit of it. And I begin to open that how I can be open to able to pray to God and to, to be used by God to, to this particular gift. And I begin to seek the Lord and pray. The Vedas one prayed for me. And one day I felt the urge to want to say something. There were a few words came out and then a few syllables and I don't know what I'm saying. And after that, I begin to try a bit more. And then it just come out more from one few syllabus to various, I think, serious sentences. There, back of my mind, I was telling myself, am I I making these words up in my mind? Try to convince myself I'm saying something. So ask God, please confirm that I am not not cuckoo. I'm not saying things, and I'm not saying nonsense. And I'm grateful that there's a sister last time who ministered among us, Esther Sue from LL, she came, she prayed with me. And then I began to learn to pray in tongues. And after that, she looked at me and said, that, Chiming, you are praying in a pretty mature tongue. I said, huh? God this mature, immature. I said, what, what do you mean? Said, she she had the gift of interpretation. She said, you were praising God. I said, is it? I'm praising God. So God confirms within my spirit that I'm not speaking nonsense. I'm actually praising God through the use of the gift of tongue. And since then, I began to practice praying tongues in my individual devotional lives and also as I pray for people as God directed me. And that's a very interesting gift and I find it very helpful for me uh, in my personal walk with God in the ministering of people. So what is this speaking in tongues? And by the way, they are quite a few numbers of people here in PPH who have the gift of speaking in tongues. Just that some of you may not be aware. And then when I ask, hey, there are quite a number of people who mean just that they are doing it privately in this area. So it's not a new particular spiritual gift in our midst here. What is speaking in tongue? The word tongue is in Greek, it tra- it's, tra- um, it's translated in the word tongue, but actually in Greek it can mean language. Basically, it's a language. So speaking in tongue... Is saying a prayer or praise in language that are unknown, that is unknown to the speaker. The speaker not knowing the particular language that he's speaking, but it's actually a word of prayer and praise. From the passage we have just read, we can look at some of the characteristics of this tongues, speaking in tongues. First of all, it's primarily a speech directed towards God. For anyone who speaks in tongue does not speak to man, but he speaks to God. To those who have this gift, they understand that they are speaking to God. Those who are doing this gift, they think that, hey, these people, I'm not sure, but they are speaking to God. And there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep silence, but he speaks to himself and to God. Even in worship service here, you can still speak in tongue, just that not too obviously they disturb the people, you can still speak quietly, soft enough between you and the Lord here. It's an activity of the Spirit in a person's life, directed to God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes are spoken in unknown languages, unknown to the world. And Paul said this, uttering mystery. Mystery means outside the understanding of the speaker as well as the hearers. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, last week we talked about this. This could be the tongues of angels. Not known languages today, but tongues of angels. So this can be spoken in unknown language or can be spoken in known human languages. The birth of the church, interestingly, God chose to use the sign of speaking in tongues to demonstrate His presence, His power. Very interesting, but at that time, in the day of Pentecost, it was a tongue of known languages because people understand. The hearer understand. The speaker may not understand, but the hearer understand. They were praising wonders of God with their own tongues. So there are unknown languages as well as known human languages. And speaking in tongue publicly. When I say publicly, I'm talking about aloud, where other people all can hear. Needs to be interpreted. Why? To avoid confusions. To, to avoid confusions. So that they must Paul says you must interpret that so people don't think that you're out of your mind. People understand. Fifth, tongues with interpretation is like prophecy. Because it can be understandable. People can understand and it edifies, it builds up the church. Paul says. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. It seems that tongue in, with interpretations be seen as like a prophecy. So what is the benefit of speaking in tongue? When a person speaks in tongue, it can edify one's spirit. The word edify means strengthens, built out one's spirit, one inner self. Somehow there is a connection within our spirit and the Holy Spirit, as we speak in tongues. And that connections, the utterance, that prayer builds out ourselves in a way that humanly we have no explanations. It's totally beyond human explanation. What, what do you mean? I cannot explain to you. This is the things of the spirit. Paul say, edify, which is true when I pray. I do not know what words to pray. I pray particular areas that I'm not sure how to pray. I will break out in tongues. Or sometimes I'll say, I'll just, just practice speaking in tongues, praying in tongues. And as I finish praying, I felt I'm refreshed. God refreshes my spirit. God opens up my mind. God helps me spiritually. And I read the Bible, it also comes clearer. So it edifies mind-spirit The person who is praying in tongues, do they understand what they are praying? Paul says no, because he do not understand the, the meaning. My mind is unfruitful, there is no understanding. So, what's the benefit? The spirit is edified. I may not understand, but I know I'm connecting with God, and I know I'm not speaking nonsense. I know that I'm worshiping my Lord and praying. And finally, Paul values speaking in tongues and does not forbid it. Paul values it. Paul, yes, Paul much prefer people to prophesy because he wants people to be edified around them in public. But in private, Paul said, yes, don't stop it. Paul said, in fact, Paul said, I speak tongues more than all of you. It is a very regular practice of Paul to continue to pray in tongues. And Paul said, don't forbid the speaking in tongues. Just do it in the orderly manner. Paul's concern is that there's no chaos. Paul's concern is that people, there's no confusions in this area. So this is a, a broad stroke about this particular gift of tongue. How do, how do you practice it? The practice in the gift of tongues. In the church, here in the worship service, when you want to pray out tongue aloud, loud, then do it orderly, one at a time with interpretations. If you're not sure, then don't speak. Paul say, Propriate. we need to pray that God will gift our church people with the gift of speaking in tongues and also with the gift of interpretations so that people understand in this area. In this area. And one of the best places I would encourage would be in a small group prayer meeting. Where people are comfortable. There's no outsiders that people understand what they are doing, and then they pray, because how do you interpret when you hear other people speak in tongues? Correct. Everybody speak quietly, then who, how to interpret? They have to be level where people can able to just, are able to, to, speak in tongues and then interpret. I remember one group of sisters who come together to pray, pray for the church years ago, and I'm encouraged by them, and then they were praying, and one of them break out in tongues. And they were asking, they want another sister. She felt that impressed to pray for interpretation. She said, God, I do not understand what they are praying. Please give us interpretation so that we understand and we can continue know, to know how to pray. And she felt her faith arise and emboldened to say something. And she just speak out. As she speak out in faith, interpretation came forth. Interpretation was, do not despair. Look to me, the God of wonders. Was the interpretations of the, of the tongue, and the whole group were inspired. The whole group were encouraged, and they began to intercede specific area of our church, and they were greatly encouraged because God directed their prayer, with tongues and with interpretations. But in public, let this done it be orderly, and with interpretations. And in private, please, do what Paul says. Pray regularly. I look at my own spiritual life, I don't pray regularly in tongues as much as I believe God wants me to. God, I've given me this gift and I should use it regularly. Please pray regularly. When you're lost of words and don't know how to pray, pray in tongues. And you can also do it in small groups, in your CG, in a prayer meeting. The key is don't be chaotic and to able to encourage one another. At the same time, if you happen to hear people praying in tongues, not super loud, but... Or ultimately, just with the person and the Lord, don't be too critical. The person is also like a normal prayer, praying to God in a language that we may not understand. And those of us who do not have the gift of tongue and you want to seek the gift of tongue, Paul says, I wish all of you can speak in tongue. Paul encourages us to pursue, not just the gift of tongue, but every gift. Why? To edify the body. To edify the body. So this is a very interesting spiritual gift that we have here. And those of us who have it, please continue to use it and pray for interpretations. Those of you who do not have it, you can ask the Lord to use it. Or if you hear people using it, don't be too critical because this is one of the spiritual gifts God wants to use and now missed too. And then the second gift, the gift of prophecy. Let me start with a very interesting story. A few days ago, I was reading through a website called Salt and Light and recall about the 40-day prayer. How, those of you who have been y- using this 40 days prayer guide, okay, this is, it talks about the birth of this. You know, this has been in practice. Singapore is one of the very, 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 very few countries where people pray regularly for the nations together, calling together. You know how long has been this in, in, in existence, this 40-day prayer? Twenty-two years. Twenty-two years. It started off with a word from the Lord. In October nineteen ninety six, there was a Love Singapore Christian network. The special assistant was liking Polson. She was praying and God burdened with her to her in her heart three phrases. This this is a forty day. These three phrases. Put your house in order. Do not run on empty. Be transparent. This was the word God placed upon the heart. Say, God, what does this mean? And he continued to pray. Father God impressed that one, the nations, the Christians, to come together for a season of 40 days of fasting and prayer. She's not sure. She presented these words to the leaders, the church leaders of the Sing- Love Singapore network. They also went to pray and resonate in their spirit. Yes, this is what the word of the Lord for us as a nations to come together to pray. And then they set out to work and it starts every year from 1st, uh, 1st July, 40 days, until 8th 9th of August to intercede for Singapore. And then they launch it. This was 1996. They launched it in 1997. 1st of July at St. Andrew Cathedral. The, immediately the day after it was launched, that was the start of the worst economic crisis in this region. The, bath, the Thai bath began to float and it, it, its value plummeted for 20%. And next affected was the Ringgit, then the Peso, and the whole region, Singapore, was not spared. It was the worst economic crisis. God was preparing His people to come together. Because of the crisis, a lot of people come and then to pray. Those of you who are, those of us who are in that period, you understand. It was a big crisis. People began to pray. It was a seasons of humbling. And these words make sense. Put your house in order. Put your life in order. De- do not run on your own st- self. Depend on the Lord. Be transparent with your account. Be, be transparent with each other. And this is what the, whole, the first prayer booklet, the host prayer is all about. But to her shock, do you know what happened? In 1997, a financial time, newspaper and the business time, these three phrases came out. Put your financial house in order. Do not run on empty. Be transparent with your accounts. 1996, God said these words. 1997, the Financial Times said these words. It cannot be a human being. It is the Lord who has been coming. The Lord is preparing his people. A word of prophecy to tell the nations to come together. It is not just for that time, it has been going on for 22 years. I believe Singapore has been spared many other problems because of faithful brothers and sisters. Some of you are here, been praying for the last 22 years. It's come from the word of prophecy. But sometimes when we look at prophecy, we are a bit um, so-called weary. Prophecy, Old Testament prophecy, thus says the Lord, what is this prophecy is all about? Are we saying that our word is like the word of God, the Bible? We need to understand the prophecy in the New Testament. slightly different from the Old Testament. There's some similarity but some, some differences. Let me just first define what is prophecy in the New Testament. Prophecy is the proclamations of a spontaneously revealed message from God to people, usually to His, His people first. It is something that God has spontaneously brought to mind while a person is praying, while the person is, praying, or the person is thinking, while even just going through their lives, and God spontaneously bring about a word. And then, was spoken. And these words could be words of affirmations, of encouragements, a cause or actions to take. could be a warning. And some of it could have an element of foretelling about the future. And in the Old Testament, when the prophets of God when they speak, they speak the very Word of God that is authoritative. That's how we get the, the Scriptures. But in the New Testament, there's another group of people. That is the Apostle. The Apostles are the New Testament, like the Old Testament counterparts of the Old Testament prophecy here. This part, this section here I read, I'm grateful to Wayne Grudem, Dr. Wayne Grudem, who helped me to understand the this about the New Testament prophecy. He said the Old Testament, when they prophet, when they say, they say, Thus says the Lord. The, these are the very Word of God. But in the New Testament, Jesus used a different word to describe the people who have the authority to speak the very Word of God that is equivalent like Scriptures. This group of people, Jesus called them apostles. They are the one that wrote And they spoke the God's very word, and have then recorded the Bible with divine authority. It is the apostles, not the prophets, who have this authority to write the very words of God that has today become the New Testament scriptures. So this is one type of main type of the uh, New Testament prophecy. But there is another type, so called. They are so called the other New Testament, where the first Corinthians we are talking about here. It was already prophesied years ago. By the prophet Joel. And then at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes at the birth of the church, Peter quoted these uh, promises of Joel. Peter said, This in the last day, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. What is available only to a few in the Old Testament right now is available to many, to many here. This kind of prophecy seems to show more about the God's presence to edify, like we've seen in First Corinthians. And you don't have the same level of authority. Why? Because it requires people to weigh carefully and to be tested. You don't test the Old Testament prophets, no. But this one, Paul said, you need to test them. You need to evaluate way carefully. Why? Because they could be, because we are fallible. The way we listen, the way we hear it, the way we interpret it, and the way we share it. And this level of prophecy usually is more personalized to individuals or even to a specific, a small group of, of people. It's not for all time. The level of authority here. So there is a difference here about the, uh, the apostle kind of prophecy and the general kind of proph- the gift of prophecy that was given to many. So it's the gift of prophecy for today. Yes, Pastor Kevin had mentioned, just like any other gifts, it's still in operating. It's also in operations in the church in Corinth. And I believe God wants to use it in our midst too. So what are the characteristics of the New Testament prophecy? You must remember its purpose. The first purpose, it is to strengthen, to encourage, to comfort, and to instruct His people. It's not meant to condemn, to put people down. It's meant to encourage. I was reading through another story. This is by Jack Deere. From his book, Surprised by the Voice of God, he was ministering to teaching the Sunday school, and then he brought along someone with the gift of prophecy. He said we ministering, and then one of the, the, the person who have the gift of prophecy prophesied over a particular girl. He said, I see this. last week, this day, you are in your room alone, and then you are praying to God. He said, God, please show me that you love me. I, want, I need assurance that you, that, that you love me. And then he go on to say, what's happening around your life during these situations, it's not your fault. God wants to assure you that He loved you. The situation in our lives right now is not your fault. And that's all, the Word. And the pastor began to follow up with a, with, a, with, a, with a Sunday school girl and he asked her, um, were you praying about that prayer, that asking God whether God will you love me? He said, yes. Last week she was praying the prayer. That is, is there trouble at home? She said, yes. Were your parents getting... Planning to get a divorce, she said yes. Do you feel that it is your fault, your parents getting a divorce? She said, not anymore. Not anymore because of the word of prophecy that they have able to encourage her in a very specific way, to edify her, to assure her that God still loved her, and it's spontaneously revealed by the Spirit. If a revelation comes to someone sitting down, the first speaker should stop. First speaker speaks, and then it just comes suddenly to spontaneously to the second speaker. And this revelation could come in a voice, in a visions, in an image, in a prompting, in a sensing, in a words, sentences, a thought. It can come, and then the person just share it to encourage the, the, the people around. And it's a gift to be desired earnestly because why it edifies other people. It's not for self glorifications, not for self pride, but to edify the people, to build them up. And next, and this message requires discernment from the other people. Two or three prophets to speak, but the others should weigh carefully what has been said, to weigh carefully to match it with scriptures. Make sure that it follows, does not go against scriptures. Through prayer, to discern from the leaders, to discern carefully. We don't just take it full whole, wholesale. We need rediscernment here. And then, finally, no, it is not to be despised. Paul in First Thessalonians said, "Do not put out the Spirit's fire, but treat. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. But Do not dismiss it quickly. Sometimes in our rational mind, we have to make sense to us." we don't understand some of these things, we quickly dismiss it. Paul said, no, test it, but don't dismiss it, pray. And it's also, the gift of prophecy is also a sign of God's presence. When people come in our midst and realize that God is revealing specific information, specific truths about their lives, And they begin to realise that, no, this cannot be a natural occurrence, supernatural occurrence. God is really among us. The gift of prophecy is a sign of God's presence to bless His people. And non-believers who are present can benefit from it here, resulting in them worshipping the Lord. And for myself also, as I look at, I'm also very sceptical at first about this particular gift. Then I got curious. Then I began to read, read more from the Word of God, read more for various books about the spirit, about the working of the spirit. And then came this particular um, pastor called Pastor Mike Cornell. Many years ago came to church and he prophesied over different people, including myself. At the time I was I mentioned earlier, I was reading books about spirit. No one knows about this. And when he prayed over me, he said that you have been reading books related to the Spirit. I said, how do you know? And next moment, he began to, to say things about how I'm going to do certain things, break off in faith. And I record now what, what he said. No, no, I didn't record. Someone helped me to record. Because I, I, I couldn't remember. And then when I read it back, it gave me great encouragement. Now that I can have hindsight, I look back at years, I see parts of it being fulfilled. How God is encouraging me, equipping me, some of the specific content of that the particular prophecy. And they were in the past, also there was another pastor who came to our church, Pastor Alex Larson. He's from New Zealand. We have our young adult meeting and different ones come forward and he prayed over them and I was there as a pastor to hear the prayer. The things that he said, about these people, he couldn't have known in advance. I know, because I know these people, the Pastor Larson's from New Zealand, he did not know them, but he says specific things and then he encouraged a lot of this prophecy is basically enc- encouragements, encouragements, encouragement, encouragement, promises for God. And I see people's face light up because they felt the assurance that God knows them and they received the encouragements. And it's a very powerful gift in our midst. So the use of prophecy in church encourages us to seek it eagerly. Not for ourselves, but Paul says seek it e- eagerly to encourage his church to people around. Use it orderly, one at a time, and in love, seeking to edify one another. Always remember to always remember to strengthen, to encourage, to comfort to instruct, not to condemn or put people down or to scare or embarrass people. And also use it submissively. In other words, be open for evaluation and scrutiny of others. And use it with care. Don't say that God says. Say, it seems to me, or I think, it appears to me, I feel, I sense. Because we could sense it wrongly. You need to give room for that. And then share it and ask a confirmation, does it make sense to you? Is this something that God, or what I share, makes sense to you? Is this something that could be God using it to encourage you? And I also encourage the best place to practice the gift of prophecy, I would say, would be in the cell group. In a moment of prayer, ask the Lord, Lord, is there a word of encouragement, a message that you want me to share to the group or to individuals when you pray in the small group Pray for each other, God can use it. And we use it in some of our prayer meetings. Some of our prayer meetings, smaller group of people, including the, usually we have um, prayer also at this time, concurrent prayer at 9.30 to 10.30 upstairs, praying for the worship. We also seek the Lord. Sometimes people will say, there's a word here, I felt impressed to pray for this. And they begin to pray, and then we see that God leading us. So these are the two gifts that God has and it was misused by the people of Corinth because they got distracted, they failed to realize God's desire when people gather is that God is presence, God desire to edify, God desire to meet with his people, God wants to speak to us, to minister to us. If you look at this whole here, the whole chapter beside Paul addressing the issues. You see this common thread. Each of you have a hymn, have a word of instruction, revelation, tongue, interpretations. What is Paul saying? That God is here. God wants to speak to us. Individually, as well as through each other. To minister. Sometimes we get distracted. Don't get distracted by various things But if you are open, God can speak. You may have the gift of tongue. You may not have the gift of tongue. You may have the gift of prophecy. You may not have the gift of prophecy or knowledge. But because we are God's children, God say, my sheep hears my voice. God can still speak to you. And God can speak through you to minister to one another. And this is the message that God, I felt, that God wants us to remember that God is in our midst. He wants to speak to us. He wants to use us to minister to one another. Two different people can attend the same service, but then leave the place feeling different way. There are many things at play. It could be physical conditions, it could be circumstances, but one thing is that could make a big difference It is faith and expectations when we come to God. God say, come near to me and He will come near to you. Draw near to me and He will draw near to us. And so we come with expectations that I'm coming to God, drawing near to God, and expectation that God will speak to me. God can speak to you and God can minister to you. So in response today, I'm going to do something different. I'd like us to practice listening to God and then praying for each other. Can the musicians come? Just, just the keyboard will do. I'd like you to just quietly before the Lord. Say, Lord, you, I know you are here. Speak to me quietly. And ask the Lord to speak to you. And then turn to each other. And then say, God, use me to pray a prayer of blessings for the person next to me. What do you want me to pray? And then you pray for each other. Okay? Some of you, you know the people next to you. They are your loved ones. Easy. Some of you do not know. Get to know one another. No. no need to share prayer requests. And please don't pray long, long, long prayer. Just pray simple prayer. As the Spirit speaks to you, you pray a prayer of blessing. God can give you a word. God can give you a, a verse. Just speak prayer. Then the other person do the same thing for you. Two by two. Can you do that? You understand what I'm trying to say? simple right two by two ask God to speak to you and then you pray for each other and then the other person pray so there's time for us we still have time to to pray for each other but first let us just individually come before the Lord just close our eyes God is here God wants to speak to us let me pray first God I know that you are here I know that you want to speak to us. May you speak right now? Help us to discern your voice. And Lord, please also show us a word that we can pray for the person next to us and lead us in a time where we can pray, pray our blessing, prayer that will strengthen, that will encourage, that will comfort. two by two. Just pray for each other. Ask the Lord, give you a word and just pray a prayer of blessing, a prayer that will strengthen, a prayer that will encourage, a prayer that will comfort. As the Lord leads you, pray for each other, short prayer, then leave the other person a chance to pray for you too in return. Shall we do that? Just look to the person next to you Remember to give time for the other person to pray for you also. Okay, Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. From your word, we know that God, you are in our midst and you want to move in a very mysterious and yet interesting way because you are God in a way that sometimes we don't understand but yet God you want to bring a word of encouragement a word of comfort a word to lift us up and we thank you thank you that every time we gather that God you are there to minister to guide us and I pray that God you help us each week or each time when we come into your presence we will not get distracted by things But rather, Lord, our mind, our hearts will be focused in expectations for You to speak to us. We thank You, Lord, and I pray pray that You continue to reveal Yourself more and more to us so that our faith and our walk with You is personal and it's real. And we will respond in obedience to what You have revealed to us. And build this church, Father. Build this church for Your glory. Thank You, Lord. All the depths, may the depths and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how great it is. How unsearchable, Lord, are your judgments and how unscrutable are your ways. For to you, Lord, to him, to you be all glory and honor forever and ever. Amen.